Hello and welcome to the Behind the Wheel podcast, the culmination and brainchild of my own love for cars, but also my determination to ensure that nobody ever goes through what I've been through. That is hating their nine to five and living only for the weekends. I am so excited to welcome Mike Turland to the podcast. His mission is to help save as many lives as possible by getting people to open up and share their fears and worries. His vision is to reduce the number of suicides, get more people to open up and talk and make sure that everyone gets the help they need. Born out of his own attempts and his life several times in 2009 after dealing with the death of relatives and the breakdown of his marriage, Mike received a tax rebate and bought his dream car, a Bentley Continental. He then realised he could use the attention the pricey vehicle gains to raise awareness around mental health. And now he visits car shows across the country to try and give something back to others. He tells people his story and encourages people to talk about mental health. Mike has appeared at about 50 car shows and spoken to hundreds of men and women around the UK. One person recently said they'd wish their son had spoken to him before he'd taken his life. Here is what you can look forward to during this podcast interview. One of my aims is obviously to help reduce that because I've been there and I know what it's like and um, it's not a nice place to be. But people just, people don't seem to think it's that real. Um, and, and when you're going through it, you don't believe it's that real because a lot of time when I was going through it. I am so, so excited. I've got Mike Taylor to the podcast. Mike, welcome. Uh, thank you. And uh, congratulations on obviously what you've achieved so far yourself sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'm Mike from uh, Bentley Mental Health. And uh, um, I basically, um, I go all over the UK with my um, Bentley car and um, get people to open up about their issues. So um, it sounds amazing. I, I've got to say, it, it sounds such. It sounds so novel and sounds so sounds so interesting. Tell us a little bit about how um, about how it all started for you. Okay, in um, in two thousand and nine, I I uh, basically my mum died, my best mate died. Um, I split up from a quite a good marriage at the time. Well, I thought it was a good marriage at the time. I lost my job and um, loads of other things like that. And then obviously. Some something happened that was quite sort of traumatic in my head that um, I it, I thought there's no point in living, so I gave away every single thing: the sports cars, the the watches, all the sort of everything, furniture, every single thing I owned, and um, looked at ways to end my life. And uh, I tried several ways. I won't go into obviously the ways that I tried because. Um, but I tried loads of ways, and they should have worked, but obviously they didn't. And obviously, thankfully, now they didn't. So. Um, it was like, well, I didn't die, so what else do you do? So it was a case of um, my old firm um, said, well, there's a job back here with their new company, so I could start rebuilding. And then um, a few years later, um, I got a massive tax rebate, and I put that towards the car I already had, and um, I saw a Bentley on eBay, and I thought, why not? I'm one of 11, um, grown up, not I'd say poor, but it was okay, and... Um, I thought, okay, I'm going to buy a Bentley. So I um, bought myself a Bentley. Hello? Oh, there's a slight, slight pause there. Um, can you still hear me? Yes, yeah, it, you disappeared. 
<laughs> don't worry, we'll, we'll we'll edit this out. Don't worry. Um, and I mean, the the the, the really, I, I I have to ask, um, from your experience, were there any sort of, I suppose, warning signs or triggers um, that you were aware of, or maybe not even aware of at the time, that made you feel like things weren't going in the right direction in terms of mentally? Well, I knew that. I knew there was something wrong before I tried to end my life and everything else. There was something inside me saying something's not right. And I kept saying to the wife at the time, there's something not right with me. I know there's something not right. And that's why I packed up my clothes and just walked out the door. Obviously, she didn't try to stop me or whatever. She just said, okay. And then I, um, sorry, I just, I knew there was something not right. And then, um, I just went spirally down and down and down. I'd sit in my apartment, make up all these stories and, and then, think they were real which they wasn't um but then multiply them because your head play, plays mind games um so the only thing i found then it was like taking up a hobby so i took up modern jive and salsa and stuff like that and um to keep myself busy the mind thinking because the more time i was thinking the more times i was actually getting more depressed so by doing the dancing i didn't have time to think about all the rubbish stuff that was going on in my head how I mean, just, just reflecting on that experience now and, and coming out of it, not only okay, but if you use it to actually fuel your own, your own journey and what you do right now. Um, just looking back at it now, um, what would you say? What would you have perhaps told yourself back then that you might have not known at the time? Not to believe all the things that was going on in my head. Um, because obviously by believing them, that's what made it worse. Um, and I suppose if I had, had more stuff to occupy my mind at the time, then I wouldn't have had time to think about the rubbish. I suppose it's, 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 it's taken up some sort of, to me, I always believe you, you need something positive in your life, something that's sort of a focus in life. So like with me now, it's cars and mental health. Mental health is obviously my main thing now. Um, but, the cars and obviously I love the cars um so that's why I I keep myself busy I don't have time to think about rubbish now even though I still have bipolar um I know how to control it a certain amount so I know when and what the trigger signs and that sort of stuff that I get sort of thing where does the uh, where does the love for cars come from um well, I've always loved cars from when I was very young, and I used to always like soup up cars and oh, just do loads of things to them, strip the engine down, rebuild, and make them go faster, and that sort of stuff, and motorbikes as well. And um, I then all the cars I've had over the last probably 10, 15 years, I've had them all customized, wrapped, um, all different colors to make sure I've got what I want is sort of them. So I'd buy a car that wasn't really the color I want because I'd buy it cheaper then, and then wrap it to have it wrapped to the color i want it sort of thing to shall it stand out and i like things to stand out because i like to be noticed and stuff like that so that's why i have them all night like my bentley is all like as you see in the picture behind it's like really sparkly gold the roof and the the gold stripe down the bonnet and and same as my trucks all been customized to match it as well sort of thing so but i just love cars and if i won the lottery i'd, I'd probably have about six cars and one four before but that's why i win the lottery why was it the um, why was it the Bentley for you and not any other not any other car? Um, I suppose it's because it was a case of 
Bentley is such an iconic car um, because it's class and everything else. But also, they are so reasonably priced now compared to what they they are brand new. And you think you can buy a six and a half litre W12, which is a 670 brake now mine is. And I've had it all remapped and everything else. And you think, well, where else are you going to get that quality and that money and that quality of car for that money sort of thing? So that's why I thought, well, the Bentley, I saw it and I thought, I've got to have it. Because it's a once in a lifetime for me, so I find it such, it's such an amazing story. Um, what would you say your your dream, let's say, dream five car garage looks like? Oh, um, well, it'd have to be somewhere like the uh, I think it's a Con, uh, Koenigsegg, I think it is Koenigsegg, um, but also the Bugatti. Um, um, Maybe the uh, P1 McLaren. I don't really like the others because obviously the others are just, most of them all the same. They just look the same. So um, probably an Aston Martin, Lamborghini and um, a Rolls-Royce um, Phantom, the one with the, the, the suicide doors, the two door. Um, and that's probably it. And then a yeah. four, four before Range Rover, something like that. So, but so, it's that's when I win the lottery. But uh, yeah. <laughs> And um, when you, I mean, you obviously must speak to a lot of people about mental health, and I'm sure you speak to a lot of men as well. Um, from your experience, do you, how how hard is it do you find for people to open up about their about their mental health? And um, well, I find it's obviously because I work on a building site. Then obviously, loads of guys are just say they're tough or whatever, or think they're tough or whatever, and that's their their persona or whatever but um and they they don't open up but um when they hear about what i've gone through and i say well i i do mental health and sort of like promote mental health um and then they actually say what they've been going through and they actually open up after you've been talking to her for a few minutes they actually say well i've been going through so and so and that's what i say i like at events because guys do open up there and it's amazing and so far with the Bentley mental health website so many people have contacted that and I've gotten the right sort of counseling that they need and everything else and uh I don't get nothing out of all the people that uh, they talk to on my website it's just I just know people that obviously want help and it's it's out there sort of thing for them to use sort of thing so it's up to them which counselor they use and it, it's just really it's getting them the help and so I fund everything myself, what I do. Um, and I'm starting another website soon called Construction Buddies, just purely for the construction industry. And um, that's going to be taken off like Bentley Mental Health is doing. So that's doing very well. But so I'm self-funding myself. I've got three people uh, that work for me uh, in the Philippines, uh, which I pay for at my wages um, because I can't afford to pay people in the UK because obviously it's too much of a cost. And, um, yeah. so, but I spend about 50% of my salary doing it sort of thing. So that's why I'm passionate about what I do to help get people to open up and talk and save lives. That's a, that's a huge, huge investment in your, in your time, in your resources. Where does your, where does your drive come from? Um, I think it's because I got bipolar and that's where. Because obviously, like with bipolar, I get excited about something, and I it's like if I see a car, I go and buy it. It's like the other day I was looking at buying a, a Rolls Royce just because it was cheap on eBay, and I thought, 
why not? I could have a Rolls Royce, but then the wife calmed me down and said, why? Because you've already got a nice truck, you've already got a Bentley. Why do you need a Rolls Royce? It's obviously cheap, but but um, yeah. So I have to be calmed down quite a bit sometimes. And the wife obviously says, like reality, Mike. Um, like, um, why do we need that? We've got nowhere to park it. What's the point, sort of thing? So, but um, yeah, my yeah. it's the same. If, if I see something, I like the holiday or whatever. I have to have it, sort of thing. So because I just I like to enjoy life. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you ever do you ever get to points in your life where you think, you know what, um, I've got a job, you know, um, I'm getting paid, you know, um, doing all this extra stuff like waking up on a Saturday morning to, to do a podcast or to go and travel to an event or go and travel to X, Y, and Z. And, and, and actually, do you ever get to a point where you think, God, like, it, 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 it does it ever get really, really overwhelming and, and, and quite and quite tiring? And how do you how do you find that kind of energy? Well, that's that's simple because it's I know that it's saving lives, and um, that's what gives me the drive and the passion to do it. Um, I know that I've got the British Car Show, uh, something like the British Car Show, um, the NEC Classic Car Show in November, and then hopefully London Build after that, and that's uh, like a three day event and then a two day event, um, but. I'm so passionate about helping people that it's 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 worth it for me. I I, I take it as holiday now, luckily because I'm not self-employed now, so it means I take it as holiday, so I don't lose all that money before I'd lose all those days' pay and everything else as well. So, but I I just try to get as many events in as a year, at least forty events a year, um, which is mostly it's all weekends and sometimes during the week. But I say it's it's just I got that drive. Because I suppose it's because of the bipolar, I want to help help people and reduce the amount of suicides in the in the world and in the UK, sort of thing. So that's what it's all about: is helping people and 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 knowing when I'm at events that people open up and talk, and you can see that the, the guy's actually crying and uh, I want and needing a hug and that sort of stuff because they need they are they're so relieved to actually talk to someone, not necessarily in, in a in a in a, a little office or whatever but they're actually talking to someone out normal when they're normally relaxed and that's what makes it lovely what i do one of the things that i often try to explain to people is that money and and fame and wealth is not actually the the, the thing that makes you happy what makes you happy is being of service and knowing that you are actually helping people and if you help enough people in enough ways, um, ultimately the money will come. And, um, I mean, you know, what, what really strikes me, Mike, is that your energy comes from helping people. And that's really interesting. I mean, yes, you've got the Bentley, but I suppose it's the deeper meaning behind the Bentley. It's what it enables you to do that actually makes you happy. Is that, is that fair to say? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because. Lots of people see me driving around in a Bentley and think I own a company and uh, uh, everything else. And obviously, um, even like the brown guy, car guy, uh, which obviously you know very well, when he'd done my, um, walked past my car and he actually just thought it was some guy that was saving up to buy a Bentley and um, he was fulfilling his dreams. And it wasn't until I sort of uh, texted him and said, hang on, your podcast is wrong. But obviously, he came back and done a great podcast afterwards. So. 
because obviously people get the miss and the representation or whatever it is to, of what I'm, what I was about sort of thing. Because obviously he went the wrong side of the car and got the wrong message. Um, and, but that's why I, I suppose that's why I just love what I do. And, um, I meet so many people, mega rich people at car shows, um, all over the UK and, um, multi-millionaires that say, I've got a few Bentleys, I've got a Rolls Royce or whatever. Um, but they all go through their mental health issues. Um, so it don't matter how rich you are. Um, they all suffer. Um, and, but they all hide it. And, but obviously, I say again, at car events, they open up and talk to me. That's what strikes me a lot. And this is what often really, really gets me thinking is people, it, it's not like physical health in the sense that if you've got a wound, you can see it. If you've got a broken leg, you can see it. But, with mental health, it's really hard to understand whether or not someone is going through a mental health problem. And I suppose for me, like there's a, there's a realization just from my own personal experience, also knowing people who have been through mental health problems. Um, you know, it's not always evident. And for what you just said there, you know, there could be people who on the outset look like they're living the best the best life you know they've, they've got they've got the nice cars and the nice houses they've got all the wealth in the world but that's not actually what's making them happy and for one reason or another they're going through whatever challenges that they're going through um and that's really really interesting yeah that's i say that's what i find with um i say because at car events you don't even know who's mega rich or whatever because every all the all the people there just talk to you like like normal people, it's only when they get outside of that environment and they get in their offices and they're all obviously in a different class to what you are. But say when they're at car events, they actually they come down to, not so to a level, but you're, you're all the same level at car events. And everyone that sort of like will open up about their issues, say whether they're multi-millionaires, whether they're just like me, Joe Bloggs that works on a building site or whatever. Um, everyone's chats and opens up. And that's what, it's just great about it because everyone is the same and we all have the same issues, but we just don't talk about it when we're outside of, um, well, of work a lot of that times we, we don't talk at work. We're at car events and stuff like that. You're relaxed. And that's what I love about it. I think, yeah, I think, I think a love for cars is actually a great equalizer, isn't it? You know, whether you're, whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're from, X, Y, or Z, you know, everyone to a certain degree can appreciate a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. They, they can, they can share in that kind of love. And I suppose it's a much kind of softer way, if you like, to get people to open up, I guess, uh, which is really interesting. Um, in, in terms of what, what would you say, Mike, are some of the biggest misconceptions about, about mental health? Um, well, I suppose a lot of people don't realise that every 40 seconds, someone commits suicide, commits suicide, and which is quite high wow. when you think of that. And you think, well, just the time we've been on here, the amount of people that have just committed suicide. Wow. And so people don't realise that. And obviously that's one of my aims is obviously to help reduce that because I've been there and I know what it's like. And um, it's not a nice place to be. Um, that's why we need to sort of like, I suppose people like me and lots of other people that's on LinkedIn or wherever that I'm on or anywhere that sort of can help reduce that, then 
it's got to be a plus, and that's why I say I go all over the UK and talk about it. Um, but people just people don't seem to think it's that real. Um, and and when you're going through it, you don't believe it's that real because a lot of time when I was going through it, I didn't think it was real. I just thought it wasn't a problem, sort of thing. But until I actually got to the the suicidal stage, and and by then it was too late. Yeah. So what? To what degree um, has it become? Has has our society become a lot more um, open and a lot more? Um, I won't say tolerant, but more more open and more more allowing for people to feel like they can talk about their mental health. To what degree have we got to that place? Have we have we moved forward? Do you think? Oh, we've definitely moved forward because obviously you get if. It, as soon as you start getting celebrities involved and things like that, or footballers or rugby players or whatever they are, um, and obviously then the press pick up on it, then it becomes headline news sort of thing. Um, I suppose we need more of that, I suppose, to actually make it even more powerful. Um, because obviously like people like me are not celebrities out there or whatever and going to be famous on things like that. But, um, Famous people obviously will get more attention, and I think that's what we need a lot more um, to actually have their own um, website where they actually help people and things like that. Um, and I say then it will actually start to get bigger. But I think, I think from my side, I'm so I've got Bentley Mental Health, and I've got construction buddies coming soon to help the construction industry. Um, but I want to team with loads of other mental health people, and so we actually got. Because at the moment, there's so many mental health charities, companies or whatever, um, um, like people like myself to obviously go around and help others. But we need to sort of group that together. So we've got like a massive umbrella rather than there's the, like on, on LinkedIn that I'm on. There's, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of people that do mental health suicide, mental health first aid and everything like that. We need to sort of get all that under one umbrella so that way we're all working as a team rather than an individual. And then we can actually do um, make a massive change in the UK and in the world, I think. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, I guess, I guess to a certain degree, people are focusing on different things and different areas at different times. And it must be quite, must be quite hard to bring everyone together. Is that is that is that quite a challenge? Yeah, I, I suppose so. That's why I sort of like with this construction buddies. I want to try to sort of get um, people to team up on there. I've got counsellors that want to be on there. I've got uh, other first aid training, other sort of like manual handling training, all that type of stuff that people that want to be on the my new website. But I want to get more and more so that way. Joe Blogs can go onto my website or whatever and, and click in, click on whatever type of help they want, even if they just want uh, machine training or whatever. Just that way, anything that obviously is going to save them money and help them financially and things like that sort of thing. So that's what I want to is get all the stuff. Say all the like all the information they want all on the one web website, so they can look for different types of help, different types of uh, counselling. Anything they want is all there, sort of thing. So that way, they don't have to search Google loads of different things of what they want. You know what? It's just it's just hit me now, and um, you know, to, to, to what degree has and it, it? It sounds like this is the case, Mike, that you've you've managed to come out of 
what was a very kind of hard place for you by helping other people. And it just feels like it, it, that, that to me is just so, it's so amazing. Yeah. I suppose because I've been there and I've done it sort of thing and, um, or tried it and it didn't work, then I don't want other people to do the same sort of thing. Cause obviously they may actually succeed where I felt it in my life. So the aim is now is obviously to help just help reduce that. So that's where my passion and everything comes from to get people to open up and talk. Um, I think if, uh, more people talk, there'd be less suicides and um, things like that. And But also, it's it's not just about uh, listening to people. Well, it's not just about getting people to talk. It's have the ability to listen as well, because obviously a lot of time people can talk and talk and talk. And But you've got to be able to sit there and listen to people talking about their issues. And um, I found it at, um, at, at, at Beaulieu. I was at Beaulieu a few weeks ago, and someone said about um, their wife um, committed suicide a little while earlier. And then um, he said to me, what event are you going to next? And I told him what event I was going to next. He came there and then he came to the British car show and he said, Mike, I need help, which is great for me because it means I've actually achieved what I'm set to do to help people. And I've got him, hopefully, the counselling from my website and uh, hopefully he's doing better. So hopefully I'll soon hear from him on the next event and say thank you or whatever or that he's doing well. Um, Oh, it's just it's just amazing it's absolutely amazing um in terms of um in terms of um people who 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 know someone that is going through a mental health challenge or a, or a, or a, or, a, or a tough place um you know as someone who is probably either married to someone who's going through it or they've got a friend who is going through it what would you say it, it, it can be so tempting to just talk at them. But as you said, it's about listening, right? What would you say is also really important for anyone who knows someone who's going through, who, who, who knows someone who's going through that particular um, tough, tough period in their, in their life? Well, one thing, contact me on um, Bentley Mental Health. Um, be one, one good step, obviously, forward. Um, because I say, again, another event I went to, and um, someone came through there and he just um, was reading, reading my story and he said, obviously, how much it affected him. And then he started to tell me about um, that he was going through a, a messy divorce. And um, yet again, we got him the, the right counselling. And obviously, he's come back since then and said that he's getting the right sort of help. And how oh, pleased he's, he's, he's actually talking to someone about his issues sort of thing now. Um, but it's all about having people they can go and talk to um i find obviously that i can i can't give advice because obviously i'm not a qualified counselor um but i can sort of say well this is what i went through and things like that and um and and then obviously then i can say to um this counselor on my website um and if they contact me on through construction buddies um obviously i think there's a free counseling session first counseling session is free on my um constructionbuddies.co.uk well, Mike at um, so there is there is help out there but it's a case of people need to open up and take that first step sort of thing and that's what I help them do at car events they open up and talk it's um, it's really interesting because we had um, we had we had Chiro um, from Petro Hedonism um, a couple of weeks ago on the uh, on, on the podcast and uh he was he was talking about his own experience of mental health and how um in in 
in many ways what what changed his outlook and how he was responding to the challenges he was facing was seeing seeing an actually seeing seeing a good GP. But before that, actually having the courage and the ability to open up. That's often the hardest is that often the hardest thing? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, um with any any um sort of mental health illness, they're obviously always better off to see their doctors first anyway. Um, and then obviously a lot of the times the doctors will refer them to different types of health and stuff like that. But as long as they can actually get the help, that's what I find a lot of people that I speak to that, um, people, they ring certain numbers, um, and they say, yeah, we can see you in uh, three months time because we're so busy, um, which is not a fault of theirs. It's just obviously the way the world is at the moment is, and everyone's affected by it. Um, but the, I suppose, um, like with my website, I've, I've got, um, a few counselors on there that I know are obviously are busy, but they're still fitting people in. Um, so, and I found that obviously the medication side didn't help me either, sort of thing. So I actually stopped taking my medication, but I don't obviously recommend that for everyone because obviously some people need it for probably the rest of their lives. So what degree has, um, has, from your experience, COVID made things made things even tougher for tougher for people in terms of from a mental health perspective well with um with covid obviously everyone is um restricted so it means they're not going out and doing the things that they would normally do to um release some of the stress that's going on inside of them and uh so obviously being locked up is god it's well I suppose for me it was lucky because I could still work because I work in construction and for some reason that was one of the things that was allowed to carry on working. Um, but for other people that's obviously sharp and can't see families and also the people in care homes and stuff like that that can't see families, it's, it, it must be devastating. And obviously like some of the people I talk to at events that um, haven't seen families and that sort of stuff and the first time they may have seen them is at the car event. Uh, because obviously events and stuff like that have been shut. So it means they've not had a chance to even say, well, we can just, just ha- accidentally meet up there sort of thing or whatever. But, um, so COVID's had a massive in effect on the whole world. And, and at the moment, it's still going to have a massive effect because it's still not over. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a big worldwide problem sort of thing. But, um, Hopefully in another year we should hopefully get past it as long as nothing else comes out in the meantime to cause the next wave sort of thing. I mean, I, I honestly feel like um, in the whole COVID uh, last year and a half, two years, I think I feel like mental health has been often not, it's not, it's not been given the, the level of attention that um, it should have got. And I think, I think there's a lot of people who are, who have gone through or are going through, you know, redundancies or, you know, not being able to see family and that can cause some real, real challenges in their, in their life in terms of from, from a, from a mental perspective. I think, I think not enough attention is there in, 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 in my view. Um, the, what, in, in your experience, Mike, what would you say makes, I mean, often what happens is, from, from, from what I know and from what I've been through, you have good and bad days, right? And there'll be days that you wake up and you think it's a great day. And there'll be days that, that you go through and it's, it's just not going great, right? Yeah. I suppose 
one of the challenges that I find is how do you know that what I'm going through is how how serious is it? Like, how do you make that kind of judgment in your mind as to whether this is just a bad day or whether it's, no, like, there is something seriously wrong and I've got to go and speak to someone? Um, I suppose, like, with myself, because, like I say, I've got bipolar, so um, sometimes I, well, I try to wake up every morning and think it's going to be a good day because um, I have to have a positive attitude on it in life sort of thing because of my issues. Um but then sometimes if I check an email, like the other night I checked an email, um, a silly thing about a woman can't see through her fence properly because it looks like we may have damaged a fence. And all night I actually just thought about that all night. And then, and it was like playing, I hardly got any sleep because I was thinking that. And I got to work and I thought, God, it was nothing. There was only just, it's just where the branches had just died a little bit and she can see through a hedge now into my building site. And I was thinking it was such a, big thing that was someone's damaged her hedge and it wasn't it was just it was just something that happened through nature but it messed up my whole night's sleep sort of thing so obviously now i try not to read emails late at night or even send emails because um that's a dangerous can be a dangerous thing so but um yeah i think the the, the problem is with covid at the moment because obviously i don't think companies have done enough to help their staff that's one big issue because they do a lot of times i found they do it all like for PR stunts and things like that because they, they, they want to show that they've done something to tick boxes and um, most of the people I've speak to on LinkedIn or Instagram, Facebook or whichever or Twitter or anything, they all come out and say, well, companies are doing this, but they're not doing that. And they say they're doing that. And, um, but they're actually not actually doing anything. It just looks good on paper. They can tick boxes. Um, same as I went to London build last year and I was there and I was listening to all these so-called experts of, on mental health on the stage. And I was right at the front of the stage and I, and I was listening to them all talking and I actually got up and walked away because I was showing my car there doing mental health there. And, uh, and I thought, what a waste of time that was because everyone that was there, there was all, it seemed like, um, their companies employed them to do mental, talk about mental health, but none of them seemed like they've ever been through it. And it was just like, seemed like mm. it was just a PR thing from their company. And I thought, what a waste of time that was. They don't actually, didn't see what they were gaining by being there apart from ticking boxes. Mm. Mm. It's really interesting. And, um, do you see any kind of difference in, um, what, in, in terms of mental health when you speak to women or when you speak to men, young people? Is there any kind of sort of general, sort of trends that you find um, from the people that you speak to? Well, I find women open up very easily. Um, and um, young kids, obviously, like 16-year-olds, some things like that, they're actually a little bit more shy, um, but they actually do open up and they actually tell you some amazing things and scary things that's happening in their life sort of thing. And um, some of them are quite, you think, oh, that's not good. Um but and they can't talk to family, which that's what I find a lot of people can't talk to the family because one thing they're too close and they don't want the family to know this is actually happening in their lives. Um, where say car events, they do open up and talk to me. Um, but obviously, guys, once they actually um, read my story, some of uh, some of the guys that you can see, they're not quite ready to open up. They just smile at you and uh, just nod their head and walk away. 
others will actually come up and shake your hand and say, oh, uh, I've just been to the cash point, get some money out to, to donate to you um, because I just think you're doing an amazing job and everything else. And I say, well, I can't take any money because I self-fund everything myself. Um, so obviously I miss out there, obviously, because obviously that could all go to a charity, which the idea is now, obviously, like um, hopefully Construction Youth Trust would be on the Bentley Mental Health one, and that's on the uh, Construction Buddies one, and then um, Ben, the charity for Automobile Association, will be the one for Bentley Mental Health once they give me a bit more information on what they're doing sort of thing. You know what? It, it, it strikes me that people, and I, I feel comfortable talking to you about, you know, about various bits and pieces, but what, what is it that you think that makes, that you, what is it that you do or that you think you do that makes people feel so comfortable to open up to you? Um, I think it's because they, they just see me as a normal person. They don't see me as a specialist or anything like that or anyone's going to, I'm not going to judge them on their their issues, whether they've been sexually abused or whatever or anything sort of thing. And they feel they can open up and talk about it because I'm not going to say, "Whoa, cool, hang on, I don't really want to um, listen to that sort of thing or whatever." Or, or, and they and they feel relaxed because I say I'm just a guy that works on the building site. I mean, I'm not a specialist, so it means. That's why they open up because, I say, the car events, they, they're relaxed. And that's where they say they, they, they're not being judged and they can talk about anything and knowing that I'm not going to be blurting out their names and putting all their names all over, all over the world sort of thing about what they, what they say sort of thing. Because um, obviously a lot of the stuff that people tell you is like quite horrific what they're going through. Um, so all you can do is just be that listening ear for them and obviously offer counseling if they need it sort of thing and uh, and someone to listen to them sort of thing i think when i um when i reflect on my own kind of experience and you know i often often say to myself rightly or wrongly that where i'm at right now in terms of my life and my job and what i love doing every single day and you know making this progress is the direct result of getting to such a low point and you know to to what degree i suppose just i mean this this is my experience but i don't know if you if you believe it or not you know to what degree do you have to hit that absolute absolute rock bottom before you can actually start to 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 make progress because it, it you need that kind of shock to the system i guess to a certain degree right yeah i, I suppose like with me it was um well, where'd you go after you tried to end your life? So you think, well, you can't get any more lower than that. You, 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 you crunch up all the tablets and you cut your throat and everything else. And you think, well, you didn't die. So what do you do now? And, um, you could try it again. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, you, you, you I don't think you get much lower than that. Um, I was speaking to someone that, um, that, um, their family member jumped in front of a train and um, she, because obviously she wanted to end her life, um, but she didn't die. Um, but now she's in a right mess now and obviously wants to end her life again now because she's almost, as far as I understand, a vegetable now because she tried wow. and obviously didn't succeed. So where 
other other places that I go to and um um I was at one big car show and um one the son read my story and um and he said could I have a hug and then the dad um read my story and he said can I have a hug as well and uh I said yes of course you can and he said I wish my other son had read your story because he wouldn't have committed suicide last year and that's what makes it all quite worthwhile what I do sort of thing uh knowing that obviously that it hopefully gave them a chance to grieve a bit more and everything else knowing that they could open up and and talk about it um but as, as far as I'm concerned it's, it's I don't think there's a, a, a level you could put actually say a level on it, obviously. But it's the case of having, yeah, you need you need some sort of shock to say, whoa, hang on, what am I doing here? Sort of thing. I need to turn around. But I think if you've got the right person to talk to, and and, and so that they can listen, and then you think life isn't that bad. If he can do it, if he can turn his life around, why can't I? Because even if you're, because I, I speak to a lot of people on LinkedIn and say to them, like. Even if your business is failing, it's a business. It's not your life. You can still turn it around. You can still rebuild. Um, so it's not all about having loads of money and have own your own business and everything else. As long as you've got your, your life um, and, you, and you've got a house, then you've got, you've got more than lots of other people sort of thing. So it, you can rebuild. And that's what I try to get through to people. It don't matter how low you get, you can still rebuild your life again and, and get back up to not say where you are, but you may even do better. Depend on how you, how much effort you put into it, and 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 I suppose not. I suppose it's having the right sort of connections or whatever to give you that next step up, up and up and up sort of thing. So, yeah. What was it, what was it for you, Mike, in terms of you know you're in that situation where you've got two choices. Either you, you, you know, you, you, you actually do commit suicide or you then, or, or you try to figure out how to, how to move forward, how to build. Um, and after you've tried, I suppose you've then got another choice, which is to try again or to, or to rebuild. And I suppose, I suppose for me, like what, what I would love to understand is, what is it that gave you the power to choose a more empowering choice, I guess, and a choice that, because, you know, it, 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 in that moment, in that moment, that one action is defining, right? And, yeah. and what was the kind of made you go the, the, the other direction? Um, I suppose it was just that I was laying in, um, my, deceased mum's garden and um and I was thinking I've tried it in my life twice already and I wasn't planned on waking up at all and then when you wake up you think well that didn't go to plan I messed that up and um you think well what do you do next and um I also didn't want to do the thing that loads of people do is jump off a bridge and or jump in front of a train and jump off a motorway bridge or whatever anything like that because that wrecks so many people's lives so you you think well you've got to sort of like so i looked at ways obviously to end my life that it, it hopefully only affected me but it don't really whenever you do anything like that in life you you say you had only affected you but it affects so many people afterwards when you commit suicide the sort of people that are left behind and some of the people I've met 
that um, have got that, their families of, um, or wife or whatever has committed suicide. And then it, it, it causes a chain reaction where the next person then, her husband or whatever, gets depressed because he blames himself because it's his, he thinks it's his fault why his wife didn't um, tell him about it and everything else and uh, he didn't know since the signs and symptoms. And so it causes him in depression. So it causes a chain reaction. So what I am, um, I think it's with me, it was a case of what else do you do? Do you try again? Um, and I thought, well, there's no point. Obviously, I'm meant to be here for a reason. So, and that's what I thought, okay, let's just start rebuilding my life because there's only so many you can, you can t- attempts you can try without succeeding. And I thought, well, I tried twice and it didn't work, so there must be another reason. So I thought, okay, let's positive and try to get other people to talk about it. So ever since then, I've been talking to people at work and say, well, this is what I try to do and everyone else, and, uh, and people open up and talk about it. I suppose, I mean, just, just hearing that has got me thinking about how powerful what you tell yourself is and how you frame things and how you, um, what sort of story do you tell yourself, right? And how do you justify things? I suppose that's what, that, that was really important to you, right? The, 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 you were telling yourself that there is, there's going to be a reason why it didn't work out the way I had it planned. There must be a bigger reason. And I, I suppose that, that powerful narrative, I suppose, is what, is what really makes a difference, right? Yeah, I suppose, say, for me, it was like, well, you didn't die. Um, so what do you do next? So it was like then I thought, well, if I can talk about my story so that's why I wrote the story that's behind you on behind me here yeah sort of thing and um and it was all what came straight from the heart sort of thing what I felt at the time and everything and I uh, didn't get anyone else to write it and um and it was um let me help others because I thought well if I can after going through that I know what obviously the signs and symptoms and stuff like that which I was going through um and if, if I could get I say it was, um, oh, how to put it, it was, I thought, well, I'm not going to die. Not if I try again, I might not die again. And what's the point? So let's try something else. So that's why I thought, okay, let's focus on now is rebuilding, get myself a place back somewhere. I've obviously got a home because I was staying on loads of people's sofas at the time because I thought I gave everything away. And um, it was a case of then doing the next step and the next step and the next step. Obviously, you can't do everything at once. So, um, I say, then I got this massive tax rebate that obviously helped me buy a Bentley to drive around. So, and say, then I just say, I'll just go around all car events and show my car. But now, obviously, the last few years, I've been taking my story with me and um, and people opening up a lot more compared to they did before because obviously they didn't know about it before and until I spoke to them at car events. But now I've got the story they'll see people open up and talk about their issues. What would be your, um, your top tips, Mike, um, for, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about what to do when you're in that tough situation, but what is it that you can do practically or people can do practically right now on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to um, 
avoid go, getting in that situation or to or to to keep a healthy positive mindset um well obviously i, I always say obviously like having a hobby something you can something you've got that's you not that your wife does or your son does or whatever, something that you do for yourself sort of thing, some sort of hobby that you do yourself and it's your hobby, nobody else's sort of thing. And then that way you can focus on that. But also talking to people, like I do at work, I talk to people about mental health every day. I was talking to oh, all my safety people, I talked to the building inspectors, everyone about mental health. I even spoke to the house association that's going to be having some of the properties about mental health the other day. And then, and they actually opened up about their own issues, uh, which was great for me because it meant people were talking. Um, and it, it's, it's great seeing people open up and talk about their own, their problems sort of thing. When I just said to them, well, actually outside of work, I do Bentley Manor Health. And they say, Oh yeah, we've seen that on your truck outside. I wonder what that was. I said, yeah, that's what I do in my spare time. I do all Bentley Manor Health. And, and, um, and then they say, yeah, um, well, I've actually just gone, I'm just, well, going through this or, or my son's gone through this or whatever. And, and I think, well, that's another person I got to open up about what they're going through sort of thing. So hopefully it's all about talking and have the ability to listen to people of what they're going through. And I think that's, it's keep talking all the time. You keep talking. You hopefully you're not going to do something silly because you're releasing that stuff as the rubbish crap, whatever you like to pull it. It's going on in your head sort of thing. You're actually getting that out there and it's not bottling up because once you start bottling it up, it actually gets worse. Yeah. But Mike, it's been such a pleasure speaking to you. Um, thank you so much for your incredibly valuable time for sharing your incredibly powerful story. Um, I can sort of feel the hair on my arm sort of going up. It's just, it's just such an unbelievable story. And, um, to know that you're using it to actually help others, I really hope is an inspiration for people out there to believe that their own story, their own difficulties could actually be the fuel to help other people. Um, just as you've done. So, um, thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much for having me on sort of thing. It's a pleasure and um, hopefully we can do it again sometime. And um, everyone look out for Bentley Mental Health and Construction Buddies. And uh, hopefully we'll Absolutely. help reduce the mental health awareness or mental health in the UK and the world. Thank you. Absolutely. Cheers, Mike.